0: Hey everybody, I hope you and your loved ones are safe, happy and healthy. Before you listen to or watch the show, remember to subscribe and follow the Mortgage Broker Club on Facebook and LinkedIn to stay up to date with all the latest news and updates. Please note we are not a mortgage broker and do not lend money directly to clients. Remember a mortgage and or borrowing secured against your home or property can be repossessed if you do not keep up the mortgage repayments. The content of this show is for information purposes only and is not to be relied upon. Stay well, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the MLC Show. I'm your host, Sean Rogers, and I'm delighted to be joined on today's show by Head of Remortgage at Beaumont Legal, Charlotte Nova. Charlotte works on all aspects of remortgaging and transfers of equity. We're going to be discussing on today's show the remortgage market, the do's and the don'ts, and when you need a remortgage solicitor. Charlotte, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Brilliant. Well, before we get stuck into the show, what's the best thing about working in conveyancing and what is the hardest or worst aspect?
1: Um, I think the best thing is the variety. You know, the, people think a house purchase is a house purchase, a remortgage is a remortgage, but the reality of it is that every title deed for various different properties is different. Um, the reason for people buying houses is different. The reason for remortgaging is different. So, for example, you could go from in conveyancing having a first a couple that's buying their first house and they're all really excited, or a couple that's expecting their first child, so they're moving into a family home. And um, equally, you know, it's, there are obviously people that are having to downsize due to family difficulties or financial difficulties. Um, likewise, with remortgage, you know, some people are releasing equity from um, a home that they currently own and that's to enable them to do exciting things like round the world trips or to buy bigger houses or to buy various other houses um, but then like I said equally we have people that are forced into remortgaging really due to financial circumstances and um, dictating that they consolidate debt or raise money to pay off debt.
0: Uh, Charlotte? What is the remortgage market like this year? Are you seeing any changes in lender behaviour with the impact of COVID and property prices rising? You know, is it business as usual with lenders or is it tougher for people to get a remortgage through?
1: Um, The market has certainly been affected by um, the COVID pandemic. Some lenders have, well, the majority of lenders have um, made their lending criteria stricter. So they have increased um, the scope to, you know, to, to refuse remortgages really um, and that's obviously because the lenders are nervous about the climate and people have obviously lost jobs unfortunately as a result of the pandemic um, people have been placed on furlough which has led to a decrease in their salary and their earnings so the lenders were obviously nervous about how the pandemic had affected people um, financially but on an individual basis as well so they did increase their um, criteria making it more difficult for some people um, and because of the stamp duty holiday, I think if people were in two minds about whether or not to buy and sell their properties, then they took full advantage of the stamp duty holiday. And, and whereas they may have been thinking about remortgaging, um, a lot of people took this opportunity to buy a bigger house or sell their house. And, um, you know, we've we've had some clients that because of the value increase, I think the value of property have gone up by about 12% um, since the start of the pandemic. And, and that's as a result of supply and demand, really. So... Some people have been quite um, surprised about the valuations that they've had on properties and where they've thought about remortgaging, the valuations have come back and they've actually thought, wow, you know, we've made an incredible amount of money. We've got a hell of a lot of equity in this property. We'd be crazy not to sell it um, and move to somewhere bigger. Or So, yes, it, it, you know, it's, for various reasons, we've seen a dip. Um, but that tends to be the case, you know, remortgages follow a trend. Um, we've always got the people that are uh, stuck in fixed rates and then obviously they move to the standard variable, which ordinarily would mean that they were paying a higher monthly amount. However, during the pandemic, because obviously the interest rates have gone down, um, a lot of people have just stayed on the standard variable because it hasn't really made much difference. So obviously that's led to a decrease in the instructions that we've seen. Um, but the residential conveyancing side of the business is obviously... And seen the incredible boom so once that quietens down um, as the duty holiday tapers off I, I do expect to see the remortgage market pick up again as a result of that.
0: Yeah and that would make sense wouldn't it because you know forgetting legal services for a moment or anything like that if you just think about just your own life and people you know if, if there's been a flood of people looking to move house then You know, there's only so many people that can do that in so many circumstances where you can do that. And then you would therefore imagine that in the following years, the people who have moved house in two years, three years, four years' time, they're the ones who probably aren't going to want the hassle of having to move again. And that's where they're going to look at their remortgage um, and possibly getting the the best deal. Uh, And who knows what the economy will look like in years to come with, you know, Brexit and and post COVID and, and everything else going on. Um so it makes sense that it might flip flop a little bit and then remortgage will be it would be really pretty hectic and then the purchase and sale departments will quiet down a little bit potentially. Um do you always need a solicitor when you remortgage?
1: No, not necessarily. So some people decide that they're just switching product with their current provider. Um, so not, generally what you see is when you're coming to the end of the fixed rate period, your current lender will contact you to advise you of that, um, to give you an overview of what your payments will look like once you move to the standard variable rate, but usually to offer you a deal as well. Um, sometimes that's better than, than switching to somebody else um, and obviously paying the product fees or paying a broker or something like that. But other times, you know, you can find a different product on the market that saves you a considerable amount of money. Um, So the short answer is no, you don't always need a solicitor. um, And that's generally when you're staying with the same mortgage provider and just switching products. Um, If you are moving to a new provider, generally as a rule, the new lender will want you to have a solicitor instructed um, just so they can send the money through them. And, you know, there's a a trail of where the money's come from and gone to and, and that they can do the checks. As a new provider, they obviously want to make sure that the title to the property is mortgageable. Um, which is why they instruct solicitors to do that for them, to check that
0: for them. When you're not getting an advance with your existing lender, when you're moving on a remortgage to a different lender, so hypothetically, I I don't know, I might move my mortgage from nationwide and remortgage with, for argument's sake, Santander. Now, quite often, there'll be an offer of free legals or cashback. What are the pros and cons of using free legals? and or cashback, and what would you recommend?
1: Um, So obviously we, generally the work that we do is a cashback product. Um, With free legals, it's often done by much larger firms than us, and generally these are firms that do real volume conveyancing. And you know, you're talking thousands and thousands of completions every single month. Um, So they break up the process slightly differently to how we do it here. And the other thing that they do is they act on behalf of the lender only. So they don't act on behalf of the people borrowing the money, i.e. the borrowers, the clients, the people that own the house, whereas we do. So as well as acting on behalf of the lender, we also act on behalf of the individual. So that means if, if there are any problems with the title or any additional work that needs doing, then, then we can do that. Um, the, other, the other thing is the fact that we do slightly less numbers, so we do hundreds rather than thousands. Um, that just means that each borrower that comes to us gets a dedicated case handler. So that individual is someone who, I mean, the, the team here have been doing it um, for a lot of years now. Um, but what that means is when a borrower instructs us, they're introduced directly to an individual. That individual will give them a welcome call at the start, introduce themselves, tell them a little bit about the process. Um, and they the case stays with that person right through to the end. So it gives us the opportunity to build a bit of a rapport. Um, and certainly on the back of that, we have repeat clients that perhaps have a portfolio of properties or change products every couple of years um, that do come back to us because we can offer the full service. Um, We can do all the additional legal work as well, whereas some of the bigger providers, because they do it en masse, um, they tend to just do, let's say, the vanilla transactions or so to speak. So, you know, the basic straightforward remortgages, and they will often refuse to act or ask the borrowers to get a second set of solicitors if there's something involved, such as shared ownership or transfers of equity or, something slightly
0: out of the ordinary yeah I mean for what it's worth from my point of view you know I know a, a lot of people just you know family and friends but also in the market as well where I think if you're given if you're given the option it's much better to get the cash back you never know you might still get some change out of the cash back too yeah and I think you're much better off choosing um you know a cash back solicitor for all the reasons you've just cited rather than the free legals we we've we've seen some horror stories on free legals where people and I know it may well work for some people to be fair but you know if you think about it logically is it really free when the lender is going to be paying the lawyer as little as they can get away with paying and then who's paying the lenders well you know the borrowers are paying the lenders in reality so whilst it's free to the extent that you're not getting a bill the reality is the lenders are making money off their borrowers, and then they are passing on a fee to the lawyers on the back of that. Um, and as you say, any delays can lead to you know mortgage offer expiring. Um, you know, if, you ch- if your circumstances change, you may not be eligible. Um, you know, there can be additional fees that you know often that get incurred after you've been told that it's free. And I think the biggest problem, like you say, is that quality of service. And the risk of delays and stuff like that with the free legals means if I I think for what it's worth, if you've got a cashback alternative, you're much better doing that. Finding a cashback solicitor than you are going down the free legals route.
1: Yeah, and like you say, good. sometimes people benefit from the cashback. So if your cashback, for example, is five hundred pound, and your solicitors are only going to charge you two hundred and fifty, then you've made two hundred and fifty pounds as well. So
0: never mind free two hundred and fifty pound profit legals. <laughs> <laughs> You were just touching before Charlotte on transfer of equity, and that's often combined with a remortgage. Uh, Could you explain what transfer of equity means and provide some examples of when someone would need a solicitor to execute a transfer of equity?
1: Yeah, so essentially a transfer of equity is when the legal ownership of a property is changing. So the people that are the registered proprietors of, of, of the property are changing for whatever reason. Now, there are a variety of reasons why people do transfers of equity. But generally speaking, by far the most popular reason is a breakdown of a marriage or a relationship where husband is keeping the house, for example, and he's transferring wife off there so that she can move on and and get a different property. That's by far the most common or the other way around where it's a new couple and um, one of the parties is wanting to transfer their new partner onto their property because they've moved in together, for example.
0: And what legal work is involved in a remortgage generally, just a straightforward remortgage? What, can, what, what is the legal work? What is the process that you need to follow?
1: So essentially what we do is we receive instructions from the client. Um, at that point, once we've done all the ID checks and we're satisfied from a due diligence perspective, um, we then begin the legal checks. Now, what that um, includes is we download a copy of the title deeds for the property from the land registry. And we check, for example, that the names match what the mortgage lender has, um, that the address of the property is exactly the same as what the mortgage lender has. Um, Then we check whether or not there are any restrictions or anything like that that would cause us an issue or would cause the lender an issue and that needed to be dealt with. and then we obviously check the charges. So the charges are any mortgages or loans registered against the property. Because generally speaking, um, a mortgage lender will want a first ranking legal charge over a property. Um, so we have to make sure that any second charges are dealt with, whether that's been paid off or whether they are postponed. Um, we obviously have to make sure that they, they are dealt with as, as part of the transaction. Um, and then what we'll do, once we're satisfied that we've got a mortgageable title, um, we let the lender know by requesting our funds which is by sending off what's called a certificate of title um, then the lender will do the checks at their side and eventually re- release the funds to us at that point we will redeem any existing mortgages or charges and we'll send any proceeds back to the client or if they're buying another property we'll send it on to the purchase solicitors.
0: And what fees are commonly included on a quote for a remortgage? So if someone came to you looking to move, like I said in the example before, maybe move from Nationwide to Santander, what are the kind of fees you would expect to see in a quote?
1: So on what we'll call a vanilla transaction, so that is a straightforward remortgage, um, the fees generally include an ID check for the parties that are involved, um, a telegraphic transfer fee. So when we're redeeming a mortgage, the existing lender will want that same day. So when they um, send us what's called a redemption figure, which shows us how much is outstanding on the current mortgage, um, they want that same day because generally interest accrues on a mortgage on a daily basis. So if we were to use, for example, BACs, which can take three to five days, um, clearly interest will have accrued from the day of completion to the day when the lender gets the funds. So we charge a telegraphic transfer fee to ensure that the, the funds get to the lender same day and that no additional interest is incurred um as far as the clients are concerned. And um, then there would be a charge back if the clients wanted their funds the same day. So for example, if they did need it for a purchase and time was of the essence, um, we would charge two telegraphic transfer fees. But the clients do have an option of receiving their funds back by by backs or by check if they'd prefer. So generally on a on a standard remortgage transaction, they're the main two fees. Um, If you've got a buy-to-let, there might be a buy-to-let supplement. If the property's leasehold, there might be a leasehold supplement. Um, And then, like I said before, if there's any additional legal work, then we obviously outline the fees for that at the start of the process. And as soon as we become aware that that's um, what we need to do on a particular transaction, we advise the clients at the earliest opportunity that that work needs to be done and then what the fee for that is as well.
0: And when are the fees payable by a client? to you you know is it all at the end is there some needed in in the start is it sort of do you have to release funds to your solicitor during the process
1: so generally what we do is we do ask for a small like a nominal payment on account and what that does is it just covers disbursements such as the office copies from the land registry which are about three pounds so we generally um, ask the clients for a nominal payment up front but that's not you know it's not mandatory um, we do have clients where they pay everything at the end so we, we actually offer um, a no completion, no fee service. So if for whatever reason your transaction doesn't complete, you don't pay the legal fees. Now, if additional fees are payable, because for example, there is a transfer of equity or something like that, then we notify the clients of the work involved and, and the fee for doing that. And we do ask that they um, pay that at the time. But like I said, you know, we appreciate that clients do have to remortgage because of financial difficulties and it might not always be easy for the client to pay up front. So generally speaking, we will take our, our legal fees at the end of the process from either the proceeds of, of the mortgage advance that comes in, so if the, if the client's got anything left over once the existing mortgage has been redeemed, or if not, we'll just send um, a completion statement to the client and request the, the shortfall, the difference in the, the fees and, and the amount that we've received.
0: And how long... Would a remortgage typically take and does it take longer if it's a remortgage and transfer of equity?
1: Um, So a typical remortgage, I think we quote about two weeks. Now, some take longer, some don't take as long. A lot of it depends on aspects that are outside of our control. So, for example, the mortgage offer being issued by the lender. So we're not able to influence that. We have to wait really until that's been done. Some lenders get them out really quickly. Other lenders do extra checks, which may delay the issue of the offer. Um, but we usually say two weeks on receipt of the client instructions and the offer. That just gives us time to do the legal checks that I've mentioned um, and also for the existing mortgage lender to supply, supply us with a redemption statement. Again, it completely depends on the mortgage provider that the client's with. So some, some lenders will take 24 hours to send a redemption statement. Others can take about five working days. So, it, it, you know, it completely depends um, on what's involved and, and what the lenders um, what the lender's turnaround times are at the time. When it's a transfer of equity, um, you know, generally speaking, if it's what we'll call a one to two transfer, so why um, somebody is adding another party to the, to the property, they're generally much quicker because the two parties are often speaking and, you know, it's, it's generally a couple or relatives. The ones that take a little bit longer is where there's been a breakdown of a marriage or a breakdown of a relationship. And, and you know, there is a little bit of animosity perhaps between the parties. Um, that there may be on some occasions a third party solicitor involved so potentially a divorce solicitor for example and those are the ones that tend to take a little bit longer just because there are more parties involved and, and potentially there's another court case going on in the background so we're waiting for a court order to be issued for example.
0: And sticking with it from a legal perspective after you've been instructed on a remortgage what are the typical reasons for a remortgage failing and what if anything can be done to mitigate against that?
1: Um, sometimes it, it can be for a variety of reasons. So sometimes we become aware during the transaction that the client's circumstances have changed. So what we've had recently, obviously, people have unfortunately lost jobs and they have been placed on furlough, which has meant a reduction in, in the salary that they're earning. We're under an obligation to let lenders know that someone's financial circumstances have changed. So it could be that when we tell the lender that that's the case, they then decide that the affordability has been affected to a degree where they're unable to offer the mortgage anymore. Um, It could also be if it's a more complex transaction and you've got, for example, um, housing associations involved and their solicitors, um, or you're waiting for like a court order, like I said, it's a transfer where the other party isn't happy and doesn't want to sign the transfer documents. Um, That can sometimes lead to delays that that no one expected. Um, It's difficult for us as conveyancers because we're unable to chase the party that we don't act for. So, for example, if it is a divorce and... Um, the gentleman's been removed from the title, we're not able to chase that person to sign the documents because obviously we can't be seen to be putting that person under any sort of due rest to go ahead with the transaction. So sometimes our hands are tied, which you know, we will always, we're always eager to complete a transaction as soon as we possibly can, subject to obviously early repayment charges. But um, sometimes things are held up by things that are just outside of our control, really.
0: And how could a client help make the remortgage process as efficient as possible get it to go through as quickly as as, as, as it's capable of doing
1: i think just being quick with supplying information so it might be that you know the the information that we get at the outset is not sufficient or we need additional information or we do the title checks we, and there is something on there that requires additional work so we need to contact a management company for example um, I would say the best way that, that clients can help us is just by providing as much information as they can and as quickly as possible, really.
0: And finally, what what would you recommend as best practice when reviewing which remortgage solicitor to use? So if you're looking at the market and you, know, you might be just looking online as a perfect example as, as which remortgage solicitor to use, what would you recommend as, as best practice to work your way through that selection process?
1: Um, I, I mean, I suppose it depends on an individual's um, circumstances so if you're looking for the cheapest one because you do find yourself in financial difficulty then you know you're going to look for the one that, that does it for the, the least amount of fees it's not necessarily going to be the, the firm that provides the best service but if it's a needs must if it's a means to an end then you know you might you might be forced down down that route of choosing the one that's the cheapest um, if you're a landlord that's got a portfolio of properties and they're all coming up to, to need remortgaging then for me it would be beneficial for you to use a smaller firm who like i said will have that rapport with you will know a bit about you what you do what kind of service you like and um, it's only a case of then getting id once for that particular individual even though they might be remortgaging 10 different properties which obviously um, reduces the time taken to complete the transaction um, and again time so you know if time is of the essence and you are about to move on to a standard variable rate which will mean that your monthly payments. Potentially double. Um, then, to me, you're looking for someone who can provide a service and, and do it quickly, which might necessarily might not necessarily be one of the volume um, firms because they have so many, so many cases that you know you might not they might not be able to offer that particular person a bespoke service that they require.
0: Yeah, definitely. I also think if you're looking online, something we've run into with clients who've sort of transferred over to us is that they've gone online. And it's not been very clear to them that the people that they're, in essence, talking to on the website or going through the website, that they're not the actual lawyers that they're involved in. So they're basically going through, in essence, a legal broker, a bit like ourselves, I suppose. Um, But we would make it very obvious that you would come to us and then be able to see the various solicitors that we work with and see the Google reviews, see the prices and make your judgment call. Whereas we've seen cases where people have gone to a third party, think that that's the lawyer, and they've been sold the dream about costs and timeframes and everything else, and then days or a week later or whatever, a law firm that they've never heard of before is getting in touch with them, and actually, you know, if you were to dig down on that law firm, they may have like not great reviews or pricings difference, and and. I wouldn't say it's misleading, but a few people have got confused by that. So I would say if you're looking online, I'd be very – you can always have a look at the footer of any website, realistically. So you'd be looking for a business that's either SRA regulated or as a CLC. Um, anything that that isn't that obviously wouldn't be um, you know, a remortgage or conveyance and solicitor as such um and yeah i would say obviously make sure you check out them reviews and make sure that the, the pricing is as fixed as it can be as you said quite correctly things can come up during the process where um additional fees may come in sadly um, because circumstances change and so forth um and that's it for this week everyone thank you so much for giving up your time to do this show Charlotte, you've been you've been a great guest and thank you for listening. You can find out more information about how to contact Charlotte and Beaumont Legal in the links to the show below. Uh, please share and spread the word about the MLC show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit us with a five-star review and remember to check out the products and services at mylegalclub.co.uk. Uh, more importantly, stay well and please take care.